we're always talking about, this is a relationships business. Right. It's a very small industry and it's all built on relationships. Right. So that, that our, our reputation and the relationships we have with other people are the most important thing. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. I'm actually coming to you from my first in-person interview with my business partner, Andrew Campbell, here in sunny Austin, Texas. Andrew, welcome to the show. How's it doing, mate? Good, good. Glad to be back, Reed. Mate, it's been a long time since I had you on the show, but for all those listeners out there who did remember Andrew's podcast, he talked about how he went from owning 72 units to breaking out of the rat race and into real estate investing full-time, side hustle champion number one. <laughs> I think one of the most listened to podcasts I've ever recorded was your podcast, so That's awesome. <laughs> with over 700 listens. Let's talk about what we're here today. We're talking a little bit about the deal we just closed on, a little deal for all those people who are listening out there. If you don't follow me on Facebook or Twitter, please do so. But the big thing that you may have noticed if you do follow us is that we just closed on 192 units, raised, what, over $6 million? Yeah. And that's an incredible achievement. And so what we're going to talk about today on the show is the steps we took to get to that point, right? And, yeah. and I think the, the biggest thing is like the takeaway lessons we learned, the tips and advice for anyone out there who is looking to break into the syndication business, just what you have to do, you know, the, the amount of hours you have to put in and the actual physical steps that we took to get it over the line. So do you want to start off with just maybe giving the listeners an overview of what we actually closed on, like the, the, the deal itself? Where it's located and how we, you know, how we yeah, found it. Yeah, yeah. When I think the you know the big reason you and I are here to, together in Austin today, it's a, it's a deal in San Antonio. You know, a, as you're aware, and for for your listeners, we've been really focused on San Antonio for what the better part of a year. You know, kind of identified that as a place that that we wanted to be. We like the met the metrics. We like the market. Leverage the fact that it, it's an, an hour's drive for me, and I've got really good uh, relationships down there. So. That's why we're able to do this in person together. So right. it's it's a it's a phenomenally located deal in a, in a really thriving part of San Antonio. 192 units. Um, as the marketing guy, it's got a great story. You know, it was owned by a tick for for 10 years. Their loan was coming due. You know, ticks maintain the property, but they don't upgrade it. Right. Um, so we've got a really good opportunity to come and systematically upgrade the property and make it a. Uh, you know, keep it a class B, but make it a really, you know, freshen it up. And you know, we've already changed the name, kind of coming out of the gate. We, uh, we changed the name. And well, sure, this is the new name for everyone who is watching us, uh, the Joseph at Hubner. It's a little bit reflective, but we can see that it's an awesome new logo. And uh, I think it's it it shows to our strengths of what, because you, you know, you, you, you really took that down, didn't you? Like you took on the, the, the role of making sure the rebranding was done before even freaking closing the deal, right? Which is really yeah. important. I yeah, think. I mean, yeah, once, once we got through due diligence and, and we knew we wanted to rebrand it, you know, it didn't have great reviews and it just was kind of tired. And uh, our goal was coming out of the, the gate from day one, operate it with the new brand and, right. and have a temporary sign. So we're, you know, now going through the process of, Getting a new monument sign built, and but but from day one to not have to have this weird transition. Right, like, new ownership's in place. It's got a new name. You know, it's we're we're rolling with the Joseph from the get go. No, I think that's I think it's really important to, you know, if anyone is listening out there, just understand that you've got to get those things up and running in the due diligence, right? But yeah. before we dive into this deal specific stuff, let's talk about you know the whole purpose of this special introduction interview is to really walk people through how the hell do we get 192 units over the line and the actual steps we took as a partnership to make sure we were successful in what we do. So do you want to start us out like, yeah. let's rewind the clock, go yeah. back to maybe even our story a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a really cool story in itself, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you said, how, how did we do that? And I think that's the key word, right? It's we, mm -hmm. it's, it's a team and it's not just you and I, you know, we've got other partners in the deal and our property manager and, but it's we've written about it a lot. It's a team sport, right? You know, syndication, multifamily operating, 150 plus unit deals. You've got to have a great team and good partners, um, and that's kind of how you know you're in my story. Is we we met what a little over a year ago or so. We were at a conference. We met, you know, obviously two great looking guys like talking about <laughs> hey, here's uh, you know having fun, and but it was you know we were just networking right, right. and talking right. about we're doing the similar things 
in similar places. We both like the fact, you know, we're both in our thirties. Like there were a lot of stuff. It's like, this is a cool guy. I like this guy. Um, you had the podcast. So I came on the podcast, told my story a little bit. We chatted a little bit in kind of corresponding, getting that thing set up. And then we started talking about, I think you started sending me, Hey, what do you think of this area? What do you think of this neighborhood mm -hmm. in, in Dallas? Or what do you think mm -hmm. of this neighborhood in San Antonio? And likewise, I'd send you, Hey, what do you think of my underwriting? Can you help? What do you think of my, my model? And as we were having those conversations, I was like, well, hold on here. You know, we, we like each other. We're, we can see we're both driven. We're both doing the same thing in kind of the same spaces. It makes a lot more sense for us to partner up here rather than like compete. You know? right. And if you really kind of break down the partnership, like, well, I'm a marketing and advertising guy. And I think big picture and what's the story and how are we going to rebrand the property? How are we going to market this right. to residents and investors? Right, right, right. You're a structural engineer. How's this thing built? You know, right. Managing construction processes, like skill sets that I didn't have that you, you know, dominate. So right. I think that was the more we kind of spent time together and talked through deals. It just was like, man, these are really complementary skill sets and, and we should flush this out a little bit. I, I, and I think you, for me, from my point of view, like partnering with you is really important in terms of the boots on the ground. Yeah. I think like you being physically located in Austin, close to the markets where, you know, something that I live in LA, I can't, I don't have the freedom to go to the deals all yeah. the time. In saying that, it also helps us be disciplined, right? Yeah. You get to see it. I, I deal with the underwriting and I don't fall in love because I don't know, I haven't seen the property, right? You're like, yeah, it's a great property, blah, blah, blah. And it's always great to see properties. But from an underwriting point of view, we can, I can remain conservative because I, I haven't seen the property. I don't. I don't fall in love if that makes yeah. sense. So I can be. I don't want to say disciplined, but it just brings. It, it it makes a physical barrier where I can't physically go to the property, and I just have to rely on the numbers. And yeah. that's really really yeah. important. I think. And I, I tell people too. I think where it's working for us is it's where the art and the science come together. Right. You're the science, and I'm the art. And I've walked the property, and I'm like, we need to get this initial offer. And obviously, you're coming on site before we get through to a, you know, win a deal and, and on due diligence, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it's, well, here, here's what we can do. Here's where this thing's located. Here's the intimate local knowledge I've got of that neighborhood and what's happening around it. Right. And then we can have that conversation as we're doing the underwriting. Well, we can be a little bit more aggressive here. Maybe we should back off here. I mean, mm -hmm. but you want to talk a little bit about the, the conversation yesterday, we were walking a new deal <laughs> and talking about, well, you really like the numbers and we were, we were talking about the neighborhood. Right. right. Yeah. I think that's the, the, when I see a deal, you know, my, my role in this relationship is in the partnership is is to be the underwriter and manage the analysts that we have, right? And I think when I see a deal, I really I was walking yesterday a property and I had my laptop up changing numbers as we're talking to the property manager. I like this deal more than I like the other deal, and it's purely based on the numbers. It was great that I could see it, but it was also, you know, we want to maintain the numbers. Yeah. Um so I think that's really important. But Let's talk about a little bit just how many deals we had to go through, you and I, yeah. to get the Gables, now the Joseph, under contract. Like that was that was huge, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and if you go back to the very beginning when we just first started sending, you know, I'd send you a, a, a property and here's my underwriting and you'd ask me some questions. And if we include all of those, it's it's north of 50, right? right? I mean, yep. we, we offered on a few. And, and I, I also say, you know, I think our business strategy has been, you know, we probably looked at 50 deals, maybe really underwrote 30 of them. Mm -hmm. um, we only offered on like five. Like we're not offering right. on, we're not, we're not offering on a lot. And of those five, there were three of them that we felt really good about that we really said, look, this is a good deal. And it, this is a deal we really want. Sure. Um, and we got one. And I think that it also goes to the people out there who are trying to you know, do everything, right? Syndication is a team sport. And the number one thing that I want to, you know, really in this episode is, is drive home. The point is that you have to split it up, right? Yeah. And as competitive as it is in this market, underwriting 30 deals, it's a lot of work. You need people to support you. If you're thinking you can just wear all the hats, underwrite, capital raise, make offers, it just doesn't work, yeah. right? And I think that's yeah. that's the biggest thing for me is that my takeaway from this whole deal is like, I'm so grateful that you're my partner. You're here and it's just nice to be able to unload some responsibilities onto someone else rather than just be like thinking, oh gosh, I've got to find the deal and find the investors. And it's just, sure. it's, it's so much. So, um, and we're doing this both full time, right? right? This is, right. this is our whole focus. And it's, it's intense. It's intense. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of hats that go into it. And and I think when we first met, you know, my goal for at least 2017 was to close on 400 units, right? 
what, what 100 units a quarter. We didn't even hit that. And I think that goes back to the, the amount of deals we saw and, and talked a little bit about how we actually lost this deal originally, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that was out of all the deals we underwrote, we were, you know, we said five to 10 offers. We came close on a couple in Dallas, Fort Worth, best and final on a couple of ones, but we actually lost this deal originally, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, made best and final, had a great seller call, we felt really good about it. Um, and then got a call that, hey, they, they awarded it to another group uh, that had, you know, they'd done a lot of transaction with and it was just, they, they, they beat us by a little bit. They just had a little bit right. more history. And, and I remember we were both, we were both crushed. I mean, cause this was, <laughs> it was of everything we saw, gosh, this was the one we really, really liked it. Uh, but it was, you know, so we kind of licked our wounds and, and we're looking at a couple other deals. I know we actually even had. I remember it very, we got a call back about three weeks later and the broker said, Hey, the, the other buyer, they didn't sign the PSA. They had 1031 equity that evaporated, went to another deal. So they're out. Right. And if you guys are still interested and your terms are still good, it's your deal. We're not going to take it back out to any of the other groups. So we're not going to, it's not competitive. And I think that's, it segues into our next point. And so, you know, but I just want to quickly summarize that. It was that like, there were so many deals. It's a competitive market. Every single man and their dog is involved in multifamily, right? And, you know, a little bit to the power of what we have is that you're, again, you're physically here in Austin. You can drive to the to the assets. But it goes to that sometimes you need a little bit of luck, right? And and, and it came, we, we may not be sitting here talking about the fact we closed on 192 units if the original own a buyer uh, perspective by it closed right we we we, we not yeah we, I mean we certainly wouldn't have gotten that deal you know right. I, I think as as there's certainly you know luck is is a component you know I think the other piece you know discipline so mm-hmm. we were we stayed true to what our number was mm-hmm. and as they were kind of pushing us and saying hey you need to bring it up a little bit it's like look it doesn't work for us there like right. this is our number you and I felt good about that number and it's like look we win it or lose it at that number and we ended up winning it at that number right. And then the other piece, you know, and it's, I think one of our big overall takeaways is just relationship, you mm-hmm. know, like as a, a relatively, you know, young guys in the space, like we've built good relationships because that that's my job as the local boots on the ground. It's, yeah, it's, it's walking properties, but it's also just being able to, you know, call them and, and talk lunch and, and, you know, go, go to lunch and have easy, you know, let, let's go meet up and let me go walk deals. You know, some we were walking deals we weren't even interested in, but it was FaceTime with brokers. It's 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 building reports, giving feedback. Here's why we don't like this deal. Why it didn't fit for our model. Right. You know, just just constantly building that. So I think it was it was certainly be, staying disciplined. You know, having a good relationship in place, and then a little bit of luck and having a group fall out. Right. And and, and so you know, if people listening and taking notes at home. It's like step one. You have to have your team in place from an underwriting. Personally, for me, like I manage the underwriting side of it. We, we brought people on board to help us with the underwriting so we could see more deals. The fact that the volume of deals that we went through just to get this one over the line, 30 to one, that's, that's a lot. Um, but then you just, you know, it segues into our next point, uh, which is broker relationships, right? Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about how you, because you, you really are the broker relationships guy, that you, your boots on the ground here, we've said it a number of times, but what did you specifically do or what, what was your vision to go out and make sure you stood out to those brokers, right? Because every, as a, every man and the dogs in multifamily, yeah. how did you separate yourself from the pack? I mean, I, I think it's just trying to be authentic, you know, and, and for me, it's, it's be true to who I am. It's, it's be, you know, tell, tell my story. What's my background in real estate? Why am I getting into this? What, what properties do I own? Right. Who, who my partner is, what, what's our story and relationship, you know, and then the thing I always tell them, look, the, the thing that I'm going to always do and I'm going to be responsive, I'm going to be transparent. Mm-hmm. So what are we thinking? Here's why. And I'm always going to give feedback, you know, what, whether we think it's terribly overpriced or it doesn't work for us or whatever. Um, I want to be somebody that, that's bringing value to you as well. And if you've got this thing listed, I want to tell you why we think it does or doesn't work for us. Right. Um, and then it's just it's, it's FaceTime. I mean, it's really, you know building personal relationships to where you can, you know, text them and go play golf. You ch- How's your kid? You know, it's, it's been sick, like getting to that level, but it's just something I genuinely care. Like there, there's a bunch of nice guys. Right. And I think from a relationship standpoint, we've talked about that a little bit. Like I have, I, I grew up in Texas, right? I grew up in Austin. Most of the, the brokers that we're talking to are Texas guys. Right. So there's an inherent sort of like as an, as an Aussie, Number one, but even as a guy from California, I think there's just a little bit more disconnect, disconnect where I can just, you know, we build good relationships because we just, you know, we're, we're local guys. We like 
like dealing with locals, yeah. and 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 that to me that's hugely valuable. Like, and and as we were you know circling back to twelve months ago when we first met, your value in that sense, like I didn't have that. I don't, I'm not from Austin. I'm from Australia. How do I how do I break down those barriers when someone hears me on the phone and is like, oh, you're freaking Australian, you know? Like, you need the boots on the ground. And partnering with someone like yourself has been just you know leaps and bounds has taken us forward as a, as a group and you know something I'm very very grateful for. So uh, and I think I think a key piece on that you know just talk about how do you break in? How right. do you how do you get a first deal? One thing I I just reiterate over and over and over is. Look, we're not chasing deals we don't know we can close. You know, the biggest thing we have is our reputation and our relationship. And we're not gonna we, we're not gonna not perform. You know, you award us a deal, this thing will get closed. And I know as we get into this deal a little bit, we'll talk through some of the times that we're like, man, this is this this sucks. <laughs> like this is a this is a hit, or you know, but I'd really want to push back here. We say, you know what? It's more important to our future relationship, our reputation in the industry with this seller, with this broker, with this Mm -hmm. lender to not be a pain in the ass. It may cost us a little bit of money. It may cost us a little bit of pain. Right. But our reputation, we're going to get the deal closed and we're not going to, you know, go uh, fighting and screaming. Sure. And and just to finish that second point, I think what Andrew does really well and you took me for a round of golf one time and I sucked <laughs> but you are just great at that face to face and and I'll harp on it again it's just like you have done such an incredible job of making sure you're present in front of those brokers and then so we you know they come back to us and say hey Reed and Andrew the deal didn't go through it's yours if you if you maintain yeah. it someone who's living out of state, if, I, if it was just me by myself, I probably wouldn't have got that phone call back, right? But yeah. because you're here, yeah. it was very important that you got the phone call back and people, it, it's it's to your credibility that, you know, you're professional and that you're, um, you know, you, you, you hustled, but also people took you seriously, which was really yeah. important. Yeah. So I think that's, that is how we won this deal and it's thanks to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're hustling. So talk, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you you mentioned on on if you get awarded a deal, we need to close. We need to perform. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We had to raise over six million dollars for this deal. Both of us have raised money in the past, but it was, and I'm going to be honest, a little bit of a stretch. It, yeah. You know, when we first sat down to think, okay, how are we going to get this money money yeah. raised? So maybe let's talk a little bit about that mental mindset of like, we want to perform and we have to get the money raised. So yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about. The trials and tribulations of getting six million dollars yeah. raised, you know. Well, I mean, I you know, I think it the the, the minute we got awarded that deal, um, you know, you just you just mentally shift from I'm no longer prospecting right. equity and, right. and, and investors. Like we are, we're actively raising. I can remember, um, I, it was like a Saturday morning, and I got up at four a.m. because I just, I couldn't sleep. I was excited, right. and I built the the, the investment summary. And this was this was before you know, we were still negotiating the PSA. I mean, we were like, let's take take advantage of all the time we've got. We I know we sat down, we looked at the calendar, mm-hmm. we said, you know, it's going to take us a week, ten days, two weeks to get the PSA. We need to be out hustling that whole time. Then we've got our due diligence. Then we're going to you know try to get it closed. I think initially we were we were thinking it would close you know middle of October, um, and we talk about why why we're here on December second and just got it closed. But so we had mapped it out on the calendar. And it was like, all right, we got to award the deal the next day. We had the investment summary ready. It looked professional. And we were sending that thing out. Right. And, and talk to me a little bit about how, you know, you wrote in your article. Uh, and for everyone listening out there, definitely check out Andrew's article on Bigger Pockets or, you know, hit him up at, at wildhorncapital.com. Um, that just how much it, it goes, you have a live deal and how much you can test your, net, your network, right? We, we all talk about capital raising and you got to see in front of you, you got to, you got to prospect, you got to example deals and, you know, flyers yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's all yeah. well and good in theory. Yeah. But, you know, there comes that sort of chicken and the egg moment where you're like, oh crap, I've got to, I've got to raise $6 million. Yeah. And, and, and having a live deal, how that flexes your network, right? It, it, I think it really, it, it, it does a lot of things. It legitimizes you in the community mm-hmm. you know but if you think about just sort of the broker community like oh you guys got that deal i know the gables every broker seen the gables mm-hmm. you know every lender is like, oh you got awesome property managers are calling us you know it's so that that's been great but just from an equity standpoint having a live deal you know and, and this was not our first raise right we've each raised right. money for other deals but saying look this is here it is here's the story you know i'm not talking we buy value add deals in b plus neighborhoods it's like 
now here's the address of the property. Here's the you know the incomes in the in the three mile area around it. Here's where rents currently are. I mean, you, to have a, a concrete story and a pitch to tell them is like, and I need decisions. You know, it's first come first serve. Right. Um, you get so many more oh like real people looking at it. Sure. You know, and and actually then it's not just you're an interesting guy, but you're an interesting guy that has an opportunity for them to invest in and make some money. And, you know, I think we saw a lot of uh, just both of our networks really exploding in, in well beyond what we thought w w we were capable of just because we had, it was a great deal in a phenomenal location, but it was also that live deal. Yeah. And I think that's that live deal legitimizes what you've been, what we as, as individuals come together as a partnership that we've been working on for many years. Like let's not forget the fact that, you and I have raised money on other deals in the past for other people, for other people's deals, but we're also, you know, we're, we're GPs on, you know, 1100 units or whatever that is collectively. Uh, so there's experience there, but we've also been, you know, very much focused on building out our network and you've having those conversations and, you know, having a live deal just makes it so much more tangible, I think, yeah. rather than just like, oh, this is an example of what we could do. Now you actually have one, here's real numbers. And it's funny how, people become like, like okay, I'm interested. Yeah, right? it, yeah. it goes from kicking tires to serious guys. Like I want to invest a hundred thousand dollars. Well, right? and conversely you figure out who's just, who, who was a fence that who wasn't, you know, you put a live deal. Oh, it's not, not for me. Right. It's, it's it really quickly shut you down. And, and that, that's all valuable learning, right? I mean, you've got your sort of prospective investor database and you've got the guys that invested with you in the, in the past, but you know, it, when you have a live deal, it really allows you to, 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 to be out there. And I, I think the other thing we did, not just thinking about this deal, right? We knew we need cardinal rule. We're mm -hmm. going to close, right? We are going to find six plus million dollars. There right. was never, let's say there was never a doubt, but it was never an option not to. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, but we were also using that as a way to send this to other, you know, bigger fish, some family offices. Here's a live deal. I don't, I don't expect you to invest in it, but again, I can't do that with a hypothetical deal. So we were using, you know, and, and I, I wrote about like, you're never as busy as when you're trying to get a deal closed and get the money raised, but right. it's never a better time to go grow your network because I'm always thinking about the next deal. Sure. And so we were able to use that to, to shop it and build relationships that will pay off in the future. And I think that's that's so important when you, you, you're, you're building – one of the brokers said to us, skin's on the wall, right? Yeah. Having a skins, you know, we've already done deals in the past, but those skins on the first wall, deal in San Antonio, like first deal in San Antonio, it's it's a different market. Yeah. So it was a it was that we were breaking into somewhere new, but in saying that now you have a skin on the wall in the San Antonio market, it just legitimizes us as a as a partnership, um, and, and you know what we what we're trying to achieve. I think that's that's really really important. Um, talk to us about you know just some of those you know how we the process in which we went through to you know, raise it over $6 million. And and it wasn't just the fact that we just mentioned, we'd raised money in the past. So, you know, many p people probably listening to this will think, well, how do I just go out and raise $6 million? It's been many years. And I really want to say that, like state that this podcast, what you've done, what I've done, it's been growing to this point. And it's not just, uh, there's always that nervousness of, well, can you raise $6 million? But then also legitimizes the fact that you spent all this last two years building out a platform. So talk to me a little bit about the platform you built uh, and and what you did specifically to build out your network uh, and your database of investors. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to being authentic in the same way that I try to be with brokers, to be with potential investors and really you know kind of friends and and, and family. I mean, you know, our go back to to the previous podcast interview and kind of rehash, you know, all of kind of our story, but mm -hmm. you know, we've got six years as six plus years as real estate investors and owners and, and managers. And most of my friends, even before I kind of left the rat race, they, they knew me much more as a real estate obsessed guy <laughs> than, than a, than a tech guy. Right. Um, so it's, it hasn't been a new thing. Um, you know, I think for me, when I really kind of kicked it up and made the decision of we're going to go, you know, do syndications, not just our own deals mm -hmm. and start raising money, um, you know, looked at all the kind of the, the ways you can just help people and be out there. And for me, it's writing, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like, I like writing. And so I try to, I write kind of two articles a month mm -hmm. um, and, and put those out there and share them on, you know, my site and, and Facebook and LinkedIn and things. Um, and, and just there, I try to write about stuff that's happening that that were challenges we're facing, mm -hmm. you know, 
one of the things we're going to come out with is, and we can talk about related to the equity is what happens when an equity partner backs out. Right. Uh, well, that now that that that's education where we can go help people, right? Because right? because I mean, let's get into it. We had we had we had two different equity partners. We needed to raise over six million dollars. We had a group commit and sign up and say, oh, "This is I love this deal. I want to go place four million dollars." And it's a group that has a track record that we were recommended to that does you know that that's four million dollars is nothing for them, right? Um, well, I, what we thought, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and we and we we and I remember we celebrated and we were like, "Oh my god, this is fantastic." Uh, we got this group and, and that's, you know, the majority of it and, and we'll be done and on out looking for the next one by Halloween. Um, <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks in, like they just, they hadn't gotten any, any real offers. They hadn't gotten any real capital placed. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we said, called, okay, what's going on? You know, how can we help? And well, let's get some, some interviews. Let's get some, you know, introductions. How's it going? And at the end of the day, you know, I guess they came with, with some term sheets from some preferred equity right. groups. Men's so lending, right? We just basically said, look, we, we've already got more than half of it raised. Like, we can't go change the rules for our investors. There are, those relationships are too important to us. Right. We're not going to do a preferred equity. You guys are basically out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a, a big sort of test your metal moment. You know, as we, I remember we had a lot of conversations. Okay, it was, it was, we're, we're halfway there. <laughs> these, these guys aren't going to perform. What are we going to do? Right. And I think that was really uh, a good litmus test for our individual networks because we, we we essentially made up the difference, right, yeah. in, in between our networks. And strong uh, back to having a strong strong network and and the platform that you you created with through your education, you know, blogs and articles and you know what we do here on the on the podcast and investing in the US, that all helps to build that database uh, so that we could. You know, when when your back's against the walls, like okay, this 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 partner partner didn't perform, we have to go raise the difference. You know, yeah. and and I think we were both surprised in ourselves that we could you know, when we got it done easily. But that was just really a big pat on the back to both of our achievements as you know, I want to say thought leaders, right, in the, yeah. in, in the industry and, and providing that education to people and people seeing your, your Facebook uh, posts and your LinkedIn posts and saying, hey, I want to, Andrew, Andrew's a real deal here. Yeah. You know, uh, it goes back to the professionalism thing that we, you know, from just the brokership point of view as well, being professional with brokers, being professional with our investors, providing the education to then having a, a solid database to then essentially make up the difference, yeah. right? And I think it really comes back to like, I use the term real estate junkie. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just, I've talked about it on your show, kind of my go-to line. It's like real estate's like crack and, and I'm a total addict right. and, I, and I love talking about it. Right. And so when people, you know, shoot me a message or, or hit the website, I'm like, hey, I want to talk about, dude, I'll talk about anything related to real estate. You know, I had lunch this past week with a guy just moved to town and they, they're trying to buy a duplex. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, let's go have lunch and talk about it. I'd love to help you get on down your path of buying a duplex. Um, and I think that's, you know, you have that same mindset of, I, I want to help people. I'm not trying to sell you and you hope you become an investor in my deal. I want to help you and see you succeed. Here's what I'm trying to do. And I think one of the things that we always talk about and how we love about real estate, I love about it is how, how cooperative it is and how everybody's got this abundance mindset for the most part, right? There's some bad apples, but it's, <laughs> I want to see you succeed. How can I help you? You right. know, I'm doing these things Well, you're doing those things. Well, th- awesome. Let me, how, let's go do that. Cause I just genuinely like talking real estate right and i think it's really important to come with that mindset first and foremost which is you're providing education you're, you're trying to help right you're trying yeah. to help people first and foremost and then they're gonna they can potentially help you they might not be an investor right this second but they may not have an uncle or they may have a friend or they may have business partners that have opened the door or could open the door to other investors and i think one of the big things i've found when raising the capital um was just how many other people introduced me? Oh, I'm not interested in this deal, but I know X so and so. And then those people, you know, it's really important to get those referrals happening um, to make sure that you, you know, we, we we got it done at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's. So we talked about the the the, the analysts. We talked about the, our partnership. We talked about being professional with brokers, creating those relationships, and how we nearly missed out on this deal. Um, but we, you know, we we got the capital raised. Let's talk a little bit more about the deal specific stuff. You know, like, um, you know, how are you feeling? when we didn't have when those people pulled out because it, it happened twice right it yeah. was it wasn't just the four million dollar group that we were going yeah. to use it was also a crowdfunding website that we were going to we're not going to mention them but we uh they were going to raise a small amount of equity yeah. but they also didn't it small it was one small, it wasn't small. Yeah. It won four million um i mean look i think the the deal itself and if you want to talk some about about the deal like 
it's super clean, right? It's been professionally managed. And again, we talked on the story, it's a tick. So that their books were clean. We got in, we did the due diligence, we did the walks. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise in doing the the on-site walk was just how varied the interiors right. were. You know, right. it kind of marketed as, you know, like 16 units that had been upgraded and you got in there and man, it was just a patchwork. You right. know, some things had new flooring and original appliances and some things had brand new appliances and new cabinets and original flooring and... <laughs> One unit would have cherry cabinets brand new and the unit next door would have oak cabinets brand new. It was just, it's all over the place. Right. Um, but I think otherwise, you know, that working through that process of, okay, what is the upgrade schedule going to look like mm -hmm. and figuring out, you know, how we're going to, in some ways it was good, right? It brought down some of the renovation dollars, mm -hmm. but the deal itself was clean. There wasn't any, you know, inspection reports that came back glaring, you know, there weren't any big problems. Um, so it really just came down to, uh, we know that that piece of it is good. Uh, how do we go get this thing closed? You know, we've talked, I think, you know, the equity piece and we got it across the line. We, 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 we flexed, we stressed, we stretched and, and got that done. Um, so then it was, what else do we need to do to get this thing closed? Right. And there, you know, you want to talk a little bit about kind of the, the debt and kind of the conversation yeah. on that front. And yeah, I think, I think the, the, you know, for us, we, um, the, you know, bigger, the debt piece of it was really important. Um, conservative underwriting, uh, also raising uh, our capex dollars from equity. I think that's really important. So, um, for everyone who, who's listening out there, we by having we raised the capex, so the dollars we're going to spend to improve the property was raised from our equity partners, our, our, our investors. We didn't go to a bank and try to get leverage on that one. Lever higher leverage means higher risk, right? So um, the, the, the numbers still penciled if we went and raised the 1.2, 1.3 million dollars for CapEx. Um, so that means that we validated our model again. Back to where you were saying in the due diligence, it also then coming with all the inspection reports coming back saying that we could, uh, we had a great deal on our hands. And I think that was really, really important. Um, but from a debt point of view, having low leverage allows us to make, still make the deal pencil, which is fantastic. We're in control of the CapEx dollars, not necessarily a bank, because sometimes banks, particularly if you do bridge lending, will breathe down your neck if you haven't spent the dollars. For whatever reason, you know, we don't have a crystal ball, but if, if, if things don't, you know, we go to World War Three or, you know, the market falls off a cliff again, we can press pause on that CapEx. And we and it's, it's out, the, the dollars are, are our investors. We can hold onto that until if, in a downturn, we, we're in control rather yeah. than being at the mercy of a bank. Yeah. Um, but the, talk a little bit about the, you know, how we, we, the debt side of it and what, what debt we did end up placing on this, on this particular deal. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the, the back to maybe a little bit of how did we win the deal? Um, and we've had a lot of conversations about this. Our, again, open book here, kind of giving away some of, maybe it's a competitive advantage we work with the in-house debt team. So this was a marketed deal. We worked with their capital markets team. Um, the thought process being that it gives them and us another layer of certainty that, that, that we can close mm -hmm. because the broker and the, and the lender are, are in communication and sit right across from the hall from each other. Right. Um, so that was, we strategically said, let's go with the in-house group. We happen to really like them. They're great guys and been a good resource for us. But you know, that's, that's, we went down that path. And then we talked about, you know, which product do we get? You know, so we, we were fortunate enough to be the property qualified, you know, our team qualified for agency lo loan. Mm -hmm. So we got Freddie Mac uh, loan and we went with the green program. And then the conversation then was really, do we want, you know, seven year, 10 year, do we want fixed rate, floating rate? Right. Um, you know, we opted for a seven year fixed rate. Um, the thought process was there's been a little bit of uncertainty in the market, you know, mm -hmm. in, in our, mm -hmm. what's happening with rates. Uh, back to the marketing piece and leverage marketing this to investors. Uh, everybody's comfortable with a fixed rate. You know, it's right. what people have on their homes. It's easy to to, to tell that story. Right. Uh, we've got a seven year loan. Our business plan is five years. Right. We want to be out of this in five years. There, it's the right window based on sort of the defeasance schedule and, and the life cycle of the loan. Five years is the is a great time to get out of that product. Right. But it also buys us a little more downside protection mm -hmm. because we always are thinking about. What what's the worst case scenario? What could happen? Well, if, if the market's soft in five years, we still got an additional two years before we even have to think about doing anything, and the rates this fixed the whole time. Right, and I think that's really important to, to from a uh, talking to, to investors, having that fixed rate, saying you know this is fixed for seven years. It also allows an opportunity if the market does change in a couple of years' time, and we want to sell it. 
that, that someone can acquire uh, our, or assume our loan at a very competitive rate, right? And yep. I think that's, that's you're always going to be thinking about your exit plan. And I think that's what we always kept in mind. What is the exit plan for, for this particular yeah. deal and when should we exit? So, and I mean, the debt's a really strategic piece of your puzzle. You know, right. the equity, I mean, the cost of capital and where you're getting the equity from is huge. It's making sure you have enough equity to get the, the, mm-hmm. the loan. But what is your business plan? What's your time frame? What's your prediction on what's going to happen to the markets? I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've had a lot of conversations, you and I, just around debt and mm-hmm. how really strategic that piece is right. to the deal and how you're, how you're putting it together. Sure. You know, if you yeah. get a 12-year loan and you're trying to do two supplementals, are you banking on interest rates going to be way higher and what you're actually going to sell this in three years as an assumption right. with a 4% rate? Like there's just a lot of, of conversation. It's not a... I don't, I don't think people should take it lightly. You know, really think about which product is best for them. And, and I think it's, again, going back to our conservative underwriting, uh, we, we, part of the business plan is to have a supplemental on this particular, uh, particular deal, uh, and it's part of what we are going to achieve. But we'd never underwrote to that, right? Yeah. Like having a supplemental loan, meaning that we pay back some investors some of their capital at a point in the, the, in the five years, probably hopefully within the first two years, it's definitely part of the business plan, but we didn't underwrite to that. And it's very, very important because you don't want to back yourself into a corner. I don't know what's going to happen in two years in terms of the markets. We, you know, the business plan is to get a supplemental and with the low leverage on the property, we have, uh, we've, we've definitely backed ourselves to, we can go and do that and mm-hmm. execute that. Mm-hmm. But again, not, a, I don't have a crystal ball. Something could happen in two years. I've got no idea. We haven't underwritten to that. So the, the returns aren't based on that. If they, we do get a supplemental, it'll only just juice the returns. Right. Yeah. So I think that was really, really important. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the deal specific, um, you know, issues and stuff we had, um, that, that we, you know, we got over the line and, and it goes back to our professionals and making sure we, you know, had, had a, a our T's crossed and our I's dotted. I think that was really, really important. I think the two big things that stand out, um, you know, the first one is, you know, we we mentioned a mid-October date earlier, the initial calendar. We were going to close this thing in mid-October. Right. Part of the deal and the way that the deal was marketed is the the property, the the current or previous owner had just put a new cable contract, tech amenity package. So, you know, for a resident, they come in, they're cabling their internet to get it at a bulk rate, uh, you know, cost the property $55 and the tenants charged 80. 80, yeah. Um, there, there's, that's great, right? It's, it's extra NOI for us as owners. It, it boosts our, our overall, but it's also part of the property's operating you know, balance sheet, right. which affects the, the loan balance. Correct. So what happened was they were, the, the owner was a little delayed in getting that rolled out. Mm-hmm. And it was not showing, it didn't show up on the September operating statement. Oh, yep. So yeah. we had to push it back because it, it would, it reduced our loan proceeds basically because it was showing up as a net negative on the balance sheet. Right. And so, so that's why we had to push it back. And so, you know, again, working with the seller, I said, look, you understand this has happened. It's, it's kind of y'all's fault. Screw <laughs> up. You didn't get the program rolled out. It's affecting our loans. Mm-hmm. Like we need to push this back. Mm-hmm. They understood and you kind of knew it was their their fault. Uh, so that 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 moved the goalpost right. the first time. Um, I think the other thing that happened in you kind of related to that is in in hurt us a little bit and we didn't go crying and screaming. Um, the mark the rates rose right? right when we first got our our soft quote. You know, in late August when this thing went under contract, I think the the what the spread was two point oh seven right. something right. like that. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of, if you go back and look, it's kind of steadily, steadily risen. We ended up getting it about 2.23, I think. Right. Um, again, hurt our, our proceeds a little bit because the, the, the payment was going to be higher. The interest rate was going to be slightly mm-hmm. higher. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's still historically low. We feel really good about it. Right. But when that goalpost got moved from October 15th to, no, or, yeah, October 15th, to November 15th, we didn't know the rates, you know, sometimes the market's going to work for you. Sometimes it works against you. In this case, it worked against us. We didn't go and throw much of a fit and say, look, you guys have, have, have cost us. We now need to lower our, our, uh, purchase price. Right. And I think largely because we did underwrite it very conservatively and we knew that, you know, this was a, a, an active owner in our market. So we wanted to have a good relationship with them. We wanted to be a smooth transaction for everybody. And that's, I think, those conversations we were talking about earlier about you and I were having, look, let's, let's get this closed and let's be 
a good buyer. Right. You know, we right, said, right. all right, let's take our lumps. We've underwritten conservatively enough. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't not going to affect it. We we're raising the capex. We've mm -hmm. got the money. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's just take our lump and move on down the road. And I think that is yeah really important. Like these are just part of the risks at any you know you're getting involved in uh, any real estate deal. You know things can shift, things can change, and particularly when you're dealing with an agency loan, it's tied to the stock market. So the, so the stock market moves, it affects our your loan proceeds. Treasury again, market, treasury, treasury yeah. market. Um, and then but what maintaining cons, remaining conservative with your underwriting allowed us to not affect our returns. Uh, to our investors, right? Yeah. And so that was really, really important. Again, raising capex from from equity, uh, you know, having a, an operating fund uh, that we 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 over raised for to cover the difference. So it was really um, uh, overall back from a, uh, an overall underwriting point of view, remaining conservative, but also you know we're we're a little bit at the mercy of the markets, which is a lesson learned. But you know, moving forward, it didn't it didn't affect us at all. Yeah. Um, talk to you know <laughs> some of the the last minute things we had on the lenders side, which caused us a little bit of headache towards the end there which also pushed it a little bit further yeah, yeah from, there was a first push because the the owner the current owner the, the seller didn't have uh, implemented the the cable contract the second one talk a little bit about the second one for all those people out there who nuances of easements <laughs> yeah and you know I, I think i remember we had a conversation that the the long story short is two days before we were supposed to close on the november 15th uh, so the, the lender's attorney said, hey, you've got to get an easement on this survey, on the, the new survey we just had had run. Um, and I, you know, okay, tell me about that. And, and why are you telling me about this now? Mm -hmm. You know, you've had this survey for four weeks, right. five weeks. Right. Uh, this has been sitting on your desk. You guys have made comments on it. Mm -hmm. I remember the Friday before this, I had a call with the lender, with, with our contact. I was saying, look, I want to make sure everything's lined up. We're going to close this thing next Wednesday. My concern is... We've got attorneys. You guys have attorneys. Seller has attorney. There's too many damn attorneys involved. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Right? Right. It just always does. Right. And it did. Mm -hmm. And so then it became, I think, a, a real team effort. And it wasn't just us. In fact, we probably, you know, maybe bore a lot of the stress. But as far as, you know, the broker and the lender and everybody trying to figure out what this easement thing's all about. Like, why, why did you wait till the last minute to bring it up? And then, okay we're clearly going to have to go get this. Well, who the hell has to sign it? Right. So the broker went down to, we thought the city of San Antonio was going to have to sign it. He went down to their office, sort of unannounced, didn't make a whole lot of friends. Like, I need you to sign this. <laughs> they looked at it and said, it's actually not us. It's, it's the owner at the property behind us. So mm -hmm. we had to look him up, find his attorney. I mean, it, it just became this whole thing that at the end of the day, it pushed the closing back two weeks. Mm -hmm. We had to pay for an extension, additional right. earnest money right. on an issue that wasn't our fault. And again, we strategically said, look, it's not, it's not costing us money. Right. We know we're going to close the deal. It's just an additional earnest checks coming out mm -hmm. early. Mm -hmm. But we didn't throw a huge fuss. You know, we, we're, we're pissed mm -hmm. and don't want to work with that attorney again. We right. won't work with that attorney again. Uh, state attorney. Right. And I won't work with that, with that title company again either. Right. Uh, we just... We won't. Right. But we said, look, it, from a from a seller's perspective, strategically, let's take let, let's buy the extension. Let's mm -hmm. just go get this thing closed. We still we love the deal. Mm -hmm. we're, we're at the we're at the goal line. Let's just punch this thing across. I, and I think that's you know the takeaway for us and for anyone listening out there. You know, I was particularly pissed because they had made comments on it weeks earlier. They had this survey for a long period of time, and it literally came down to someone not doing their job, right? And 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 someone not passing, getting comments from higher up, and coming to us at the eleventh hour, which could cause the extension. Um, so you know, it, it rubs me the wrong way, but you know, we we got over it. We everyone hustled to get it done. Um, but at the end of the day, takeaway piece of advice: if you have an easement on your property, make sure all the attorneys know about it. Even flag it, like send an email. Say, hey guys, you've seen this easement on the property because ultimately the lender had an issue with it and it wasn't brought up sooner. So, yeah. um, but I think in general, the you know the the, the steps that we've covered today. I mean, you know, we, we, we raised over six million dollars for the deal, 192 units. We came together as a partnership, conservative underwriting. Um, you know, we had some issues with the lender, but that we got over that. But maintaining our focus on um, you know the big part for for moving forward making sure we performed. I yep. think that was really important because yeah. knowing this seller has other assets in the market that right. we want to essentially potentially buy, yep. right? So talk a little bit about that and how, again, go back to that professionalism all the way through maintaining that professionalism to make sure that we got a clean, smooth close so we can hopefully get more deal flow in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to 
the fact that I, we're always talking about this is a relationships business. Right. It's a very small industry and it's all built on relationships. Right. So that that our our reputation and the relationships we have with other people are the most important thing because we want to grow this business and this is we're not just trying to own one one asset. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for what's our growth trajectory, where do we want to operate? Well, San Antonio is a market we like. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to go. We want to plant a big flag there. Let's do this thing professionally the whole way. Let's let let's be the bigger man and you know pay some extra earnest money. Let's do the little things that make it as, as a smooth transaction. Because right. we walked a deal yesterday from the same seller, and part of our strategy here is we just closed the deal. That was really simple for you guys. Let's go do it again. Right. And and the team, our property management team, we got we got word on the property walk yesterday. This other second asset this seller's selling. Um, the, the the manager helped with the transition of the Gables, right? Or the Joseph. And we got feedback that our property management team was hugely you know, professional and what they did. And it was just great for us to hear as owners um, that we had a, a really competent team in place and that we got feedback on that. Yeah. And that's only going to help. And that's from one of the seller's on-site managers. So that's only going to get back to the top and help us maybe on this next deal when we submit an offer to ours rises above everyone else's, right? Yeah. Hope, hopefully, right? Yeah. And so yeah. um, I think that was really, really important to um, to, to maintain the, the professionalism again, um, but also maintain that relationship to get it closed. Don't, don't cause the seller any issues, have a pretty smooth transition in due diligence um, so we can come and you know chase competitively the next yep. deal, and, and we're we're performers now. We've got we with this seller. We've never worked with this seller before, but we've got a skin on the wall with the seller, so yep. it's going to help us uh, uh, even more for the next deal. Yep. Um, so, dude, tell us what what are we what are we got planned for the next twelve months, man? <laughs> <laughs> we just closed one hundred ninety two units. Yeah, um, you know, I I think you know I've talked about this. We want the capacity. And the capability and the systems in place to close on a thousand units. Hundred percent. That doesn't mean we will, because we got to find a thousand units that work. Right. But we want to have the equity sources in place. We want to have the property manager, which we do. We want to have everything that we need. The relationships that if we find a thousand units that make sense, we can capitalize on that. And so now, you know, for the last really the last month, you know, me, my job, I've been. Focused on making sure we finish up here on, mm-hmm. on, on the gables, but largely you've kind of been, you know, making sure all of the, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted. Yep. Yep. We get that thing closed. I've been looking for the next one. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we, we went, went down and walked four deals yesterday. Yep. Um, I've been working, you know, relationships and Hey, we, we got this deal closed. Uh, we are, we're, we're ready for the next one. Right. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what's next. And I think it's also really important to understand for everyone out there is like, you aim for a thousand. If we get to five hundred, it's still a bloody good feat, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah. you, you, you got to ten x your thinking. Otherwise, you're not gonna. If you only aim for a hundred and you get, you know, you just push yourself yeah. and see where you can go. Yeah. Uh, I think we all know that you know we we, we want to get to a thousand, and we'll definitely get there. Um, but what excites me personally is this: the I talk about this all the time. The business ecosystems. You know, the the having a thousand units means that we can potentially go and get cheaper bulk flooring. You know, and creating other businesses outside of of just the investment piece, um, which I've talked a lot about on on this particular show. The, the, the business ecosystems, um, but bringing stuff in house. Maybe there's some construction management pieces we can bring in house. Uh, I don't know if we want to bring property management in house, but there's, there's you know. Maybe down the line we 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 bring in some you know we, we some partner with a general contractor yeah. to help us yeah. cut costs for our investors, cut costs for us, increase returns to to our investors, um, but making sure that you know we have a, a, a an ecosystem across all our all our portfolio. Yeah. Um, what are you what are you thinking about in terms of? Do you think we're going to go hunting in some other markets? Do you reckon? I think we're certainly going to look. Okay. You know, I think. Uh, I mean, look, I'm in Austin. We like San Antonio. We like Austin. We like Dallas, Fort mm-hmm, Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do a lot of other people. They're really competitive, but they've got the metrics, the fundamentals, the job growth to support that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think if and when we do go to another market, it will be a very deliberate, strategic process that we will make. It'll right. be a lot of conversation because, again, we're going to go into that market with a professional mindset, building quality first rate personal relationships which means we got to spend a lot of time there 100 um i know we've talked about you know phoenix mm-hmm. that's sort of in between us for both of us right like but what's the market there i 
We okay. haven't investigated it. Right. Atlanta, another right. one. You know, there's, there's this different there's different areas um, that we will have to look at right yeah. moving forward because not you know San Antonio it's a great market but it's only a, it's a relatively small market right yeah. you know we've we've seen nearly every deal that's hit the market I I, I want to say this. <laughs> we've seen every deal that hit the market I, I this year yeah. at least yeah at least a good chunk of them right, right? and, and I, so that that's what's next you know making sure we've we've got the eye on the prize of. Well, the, the, the capabilities of doing a thousand units and that means we've got the systems and it also means we've got the deal flow again you go back to that funnel right. underwriting 30 40 deals to win a deal like i think that's just where we're at in the cycle it's that tight mm -hmm. and i think that's what will propel us if we go somewhere else to make sure we've just got enough deal flow to justify the diamonds in the rough right so just to summarize what how we got this done you know it was a we 30 deals, 40 deals, you got to the, the sheer volume of deals we have to underwrite, uh, making sure we have the right teams in place. Hiring an analyst was huge for, for my point of the business is that I was, you know, just to quickly harp on that a little bit is that I was a bottleneck in my own syndication business because I was deals were slipping through the cracks, right? Uh, and I wasn't getting them underwritten quicker. Spend 15, 20 bucks an hour on, a, on an analyst, 10 times more deals we can get get uh, underwritten, it's 10 times more more deals we can make offers on, right? And that's the, the volume that we, you know, as a professional uh, person, as a business owner, you need to remove yourself from that bottleneck. Otherwise, you just wouldn't get it done, right? Yeah. I think we talked about, you know, being professional with, with the brokers, being in front of brokers consistently, which you've done an incredibly good job of doing and, you know, hat off to you. Uh, you know, and so they came back to us, right? We said so we wouldn't be sitting here if they didn't come back to us with that deal. Uh, we had some, you know, some people fall out with the equity, but we had a strong network uh, to make sure that we knew that we could get the equity raised. Uh, also, the fact that, you know, people, as I said, BS walk, equity talks, BS walks, right? So that was a, definitely a lesson learned. Remaining conservative for the underwriting, over-raising for the CapEx, uh, getting really conservative debt on it, low leverage to allow us to uh, open up the doors for different business exits, you know, business models and exits. So getting supplemental, you know, having an assumption in deal four or five, um, talking a little bit more about what we're doing in the future, uh, you know, aiming for 10x, uh, you know, 1,000 units uh, to try and build the systems, build the, build the business, build the ecosystems uh, around uh, having a massive portfolio. Um, did, I, did I leave anything out? I don't think so. Cool, man. Well, look, dude, high five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has been an absolute awesome episode. Where can people reach you? They want to they want to read your article that you've just written. Where, where, where can they go? Yeah, uh, you know, my website is www.wildhorncap.com. The company's Wildhorn Capital. Uh, all the articles are there on a blog, and my email is just andrew at wildhorncap.com. Right, and uh, all the show notes will be up on my website as well at reedgoosens.com. Remember to click on the podcast tab. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And remember, don't uh, forget to leave a, a review on this show on iTunes. We're going to do this all again next week, so be, uh, be safe, take care, and happy investing.